You know, God's always taking us to deeper places. The problem is that when we don't know where we're going, we don't know what to expect. And that's why our walk with God is a walk of faith, knowing that He is a good God and that He will not hurt us, He will not drop us, He will not do those things. So I want to pray for Carl, and I want to pray for us tonight, that God will break whatever needs to break. Amen. Father, we come to you tonight. We're weak, but you're strong. We walk aimlessly, but God, you give us purpose. And we ask that tonight, as, as Carl would minister the word, number one, I pray that it will be the overflow of his heart. That his mouth will speak the oracles of heaven. Choose words that God will break what needs to be broken and open our ears that we would hear in Jesus' name. But I pray that everything he says tonight would be lavished with love. That God, it will not be rebelled from our heart, but Lord, it will be accepted in Jesus' name. And I pray for us as your people tonight that, Lord Jesus, it's so easy to fall into a, a, a rut and a routine and a doing things in a specific way. But tonight I pray that you will alter our course, alter our lives, alter our thinking, alter our behaviors, alter everything about us. And thank you that, Father, because you love us, you're gentle. So we commit your word into our hearts. You said you're watching over it, that it will not return void. So, Father, will you demonstrate that tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Basil. <laughs> sure, that was such a beautiful time of worship. I was hoping it was going to carry on so I didn't have to preach, but uh, looks like I'm going to have to. <laughs> Yeah, that was an amazing time. You know, even as we were worshiping, I was just uh, just asking of the Lord, really, just to to just take you know what are my words and make them His. And and I just had an overwhelming sense of just how dependent I am because you know I haven't we don't get to preach every Sunday. It's been quite a while since I've shared the word, and uh, it's always so nerve wracking when you get up here. Um, and you got Basil and the guys. He, Basil says he gets nervous. How can you get nervous? You, you just do such a good job. But, um, I really am praying that, that as I try to do my, do my best this evening, that uh, your hearts will be touched and, and that you've been encouraged. And, and, uh, just as I was worshiping, I was saying, Lord, just in terms of this desperation that I had as, as I was worshiping you and the real reliance upon, you know, the Holy Spirit to really move in this meeting tonight, that it wouldn't just be a Sunday thing, that, but that it would be a, a everyday thing in my life. Just, Lord, for what you've called us to do and a world that you've called us to reach, that, that desperation in me to be used by you, to be filled by you, to, to move under the power of the Holy Spirit would not just be something that we need for when we preach, but it would be something that we, we need every single day as we, we reach a lost and dying world. And, and you know, it was, I, I just felt such a sense of desperation for, for, for the world out there that doesn't know Jesus. You know, we, we look at the church today, and we see so much compromise. We, you know, a while back I was listening, there was some debates on, I don't know, it was in the BBC or whatever, but they had these guys on there were talking about how, you know, how, how we have to start calling God parent God because it offends some people because we have to call him father. And all this nonsense going on. Um, and how we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. In the church today, the power of God, no, not compromise, but the, the miracle working power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives. And so um, just to, to take you back to, I know there was a couple of weeks back, uh, we met together as, as communities uh, in, in the mail hall and we listened to Andrew's preach on, on this is that. 
How many, how many of you can uh, remember that? And uh, he really felt that that the Holy Spirit is is wanting to do a deep work in and through Josh Jen. And he shared a little bit about how his experience with the Holy Spirit had, had changed his life upside down and and um, how uh, what happened on the day of Pentecost was, was something that didn't just uh, start and end there, but it was very much his experience. And even as Josh Jen has grown, you know, taking Android MC from young Christians and just being reliant on the Holy Spirit and starting a getting together in their homes, and now we have 46 congregations across Cape Town and, and the rest of South Africa, and just how the power of God came. I remember if you were there, we spoke about how, how he was desperate for the, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and desperate for a touch of God, and it was like there was a dryness for a period of time, and then just how the Holy Spirit came upon him and touched him, and then how it didn't just touch him, but it fell amongst everyone else and friends and people were experiencing just such a move of God. And uh, I remember listening to that even in my office one day. I was listening to the preach uh, before, and I know I shared this that evening, but I just was just so overwhelmed with a desperation to God. God, I don't want to just read books about what you did in other people's lives. I want to experience that for myself. Um, and uh, I thank God that we, we are part of a church that desperately desires and hungers for the moving of the Holy Spirit, and that we're not uh, afraid of that. And so... You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking, going back to some foundations, and we've been looking at uh, a couple of baptisms. And first, we looked at the baptism into the body of Christ, and 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or, or, or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Who, has, who was doing the baptism? Baptizing it was the Holy Spirit. And what we were getting baptized into it was the body of Christ. So when we gave our lives to Jesus, for the first time, we, we became a part of the family of God. And then uh, just before Easter, uh, Adam preached an amazing message on the baptism of, the, of water and what that means about being dying with Christ and being raised from the dead. And it was such an amazing privilege to see so many people go through the waters of baptism for the first time. Some people were prepared and some guys said, I'm going to go for it. In their clothes, didn't have anything to change into afterwards. We did make a plan, by the way. But just an amazing response to see people going through the waters of baptism, being obedient to the Word of God and taking that next step. And so tonight I want to talk about the, the third baptism, which is the one that I'm most excited about, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so it's such a big topic to talk about. Uh, the, the subject of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's so many facets to who he is and what he does and how he works. And I, I really sort of struggle. How am I going to put this all together in a short space of time um, and really do it justice in terms of what, is, what does this look like? What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I thought maybe we need to look at just quickly of, in terms of who is the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, for many of us who have been saved for a long time, we have an idea that of who the Holy Spirit is. He's been working in our lives, high works, but for, and, and in, in a sense, some of us maybe just, maybe you come out of a, a conservative church background and there wasn't much teaching on the Holy Spirit and you don't really understand what it is. And uh, so many of us know we, know, we know about God the Father, we know about God the Son. And sometimes we, when we hear about the Holy Spirit, we're like, is this some sort of mystical force that sort of moves around in the background? You know, like, like, the, like the Jedi, you know, the, the, you know, may the force be with you. It was laughing, you know, these are not the droids you're looking for. That's not what we're talking about, okay? We're talking about the Holy Spirit being a third person of the Trinity. That is, he is a person. He's not a force. 
He has an intellect, he has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions, and he's a person, not just a force. And so, right from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says that he was involved in creation. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we see right in the beginning, he was there. And then we begin to see also in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was, was working in the lives of, uh, lives of God's leaders. In Numbers chapter 11, 17, 25, 26, 29, we discover that the Holy Spirit was upon Moses, and a portion of the Spirit was taken from him and then placed onto elders. In Samuel chapter 2, 23, um, it says, we see the Holy Spirit working in the life of David. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. His word was on my tongue. David also, after being brokenhearted through his sin, we see that in Psalms 51 verse 11, he said this. He says, he's crying out to the Lord. He says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And in Zechariah 6 verse 4, says this, he says, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And there are many, many other references that uh, speak about how the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the prophets and kings and people that God wanted to use. But the difference between then and now is that the Holy Spirit came temporarily upon people and used them for a specific purpose and then sort of took his, his hand off them in a way. But the amazing thing, and it was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 29. And this is the thing that I'm always so excited about for us as a church. And it says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. This may be me. <laughs> and your young men shall see visions. All you young guys. That's, ta- that's you, Basil. Okay. Age is a state of mind, eh? <laughs> Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And so we can see that, that it wasn't going to stay like that. That God's hearts and desires was for the fact that all of us experience what it means to move and walk and be led by the spirit. And then we see there were prophecies of the spirit anointing Jesus, the Messiah. In Isaiah 11 verse 1 to 2, it says this. Then shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from the root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then we can see that already starts describing who the Holy Spirit is. We know that he's a comforter, as we know from Scripture. And you know, the most beautiful thing about this, this, this sort of word that it says there is that the Holy Spirit was involved in Jesus' life right from the beginning. And we see this, that he was involved in the birth of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came upon you. He's talking about Mary. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now just think about that. One of the greatest miracles in history was the fact that Mary conceived and Jesus was born of a virgin. Anyone else ever hearing of somebody being born in a different way or in that way? No. So he was involved in the beginning of Jesus' life. To get my place here. And so, what role did the Holy Spirit play in the life of Jesus? And what does that mean for us? And you know that if we, we want to live according to the Word of God, if we want to live according to how Jesus lived, He is our example. We need to see how He walked and, and how He was in tune with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, 
And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went from water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. And in Acts chapter 10, 37 to 38, it says, You know what has, been, what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John had preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. The Holy Spirit with, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. And you can imagine how Jesus came. He knew what God had called him to do. He knew that he was going to have to die. He knew that he was going to have to uh, lay his life down. And so you can imagine that he didn't have to do this alone. That right through his life, and we begin to look at that now, that he was led, he moved and was led through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Even though he was fully God, he was fully man. And it's almost like he gave up some of that to say, Lord, I'm going to be, you know, he says that I, I only do what I see my father doing. And he was led by the Holy Spirit every step of the way. And in Luke 4, verse 18 to 19, it says, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is saying that he didn't do, he just didn't, he didn't do just what he wanted to do. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We say, see later on that the, that the Holy Spirit was active in his death. In Hebrews 9 verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify consciences from the dead works to serve the living God. And you can imagine, many of you know the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where we hear about the fact that he was sweating drops of blood because of the anguish and the tension. And I cannot imagine that the Holy Spirit was not there, giving him the strength when he said, Lord, is there any way that you can remove this cup from me? The humanist in him, when he saw the suffering that he had to, that he had to face, he said, Lord, is there any other way? Is there any, is there any way that you can take this cup from me? And I do believe through the encouragement of the Holy Spirit being there right with him, that he was able to say, not my will, but your will be done. And more importantly, he was involved in the, in, in the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, if the spirit of, who, of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Just think, I'm going to come back to that, but just think about that verse. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So the Holy Spirit was with Jesus as his companion and helper at every step of Jesus' journey. From birth all the way through the death and resurrection, the Spirit worked with, in, and through him. And he was with him in the glorious successes and miracles, and he was with him in the most trying times of his life. So if we look at the life of Jesus, what does that mean for us? What are the lessons for us in that? Jesus told his disciples repeatedly to follow me. 
We're not only to follow his teachings, but also his way of life and example. And Jesus' life shows us how important it is to be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. So what did this mean for the disciples? And what does it mean for us? In John chapter 20, verse 19 to 22, it says this, and many of you are well aware of this, uh, this story. On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And when he breathed on them, it, what, it wasn't an it, it was a he. And you can imagine, this was the first time that Jesus ever appeared to the disciples. They'd heard rumors that he had been raised from the dead, but they hadn't seen him yet. And you can imagine all the, the doors were locked. As it says, they were, they were living in fear of the Jews because of what may happen to them. And Jesus appears to them, and then he breathes on them, and he says, receive my spirit. This was the first time they saw Jesus after his death. And in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, 8 to 9, it says, But what does it say? The word is near, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if we confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we see this in Thomas. So again, Jesus appears to them. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. And so what I see from, from this portion of Scripture is that there was definitely a specific time where the disciples were all together, and there was a time where they were with Jesus, and he said, receive my spirit, okay? And, you know, it's very interesting that the same word breathe there was the same word that was used when, when actually God breathed into Adam for the first time and gave him life. And that is amazing thought to think that, that right there and then and, uh, that the life of God came into those disciples as he said, receive my spirit. But I do believe that Jesus says, he says, actually, after he said, receive my spirit, what does he say? He says, wait. Why, why would he go and say, wait, if they'd received the spirit already? This is what he said. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me, John fifteen twenty six. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I, if I do not go away, the helper will come to you. But if I go, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Imagine being there. The disciples were together with Jesus. He's, he's back. He's risen from the dead. Like, what do you mean that, Jesus, that it's better if you go away? I mean, imagine if Jesus was with you every day of your life and in, in, in your company, and you, you've got the risen Lord with you. I don't think they ever felt more liberated, more unafraid, or bold because Jesus had ridden from the dead and he was with him. And yet he says to them, it's better if I go. That sounds crazy. But because Jesus was dependent on the Holy Spirit, he knew that there was going to come a time where the disciples had to be just as dependent as he was. 
in Luke 24, 45 to 49, it says this, And then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are, you are to be witnesses. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when we look at the baptisms that we've been talking about, we see that baptism into the family of Christ is a once-off occasion. We see that baptism in water is a once-off occasion. But what I'm picking up from this is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a first-time event, but an ongoing event. Now, when the apostles who were, who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. As for, he, as for yet he had fallen upon them, uh, not, a fallen, uh, not fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and received the Holy Spirit. We've seen another scripture in Acts 19, 21. It says, and it happened while, Apost- uh, while Apollos was at Corinth. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. These people in Samaria had just become disciples, but yet the church in Jerusalem sent two apostles to make sure that they had received the Holy Spirit. And so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who who would come after him. That is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And so Jesus said to the disciples, receive my spirit. But then later on, he said, wait, do not depart from Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my father. And that is significant in terms of our Christian life. You know, when I first got saved, probably about almost 30 years ago, um, I originally started, I went to a Catholic church with friends of ours, and then they actually moved to the assemblies of God and, uh, Things were quite different, and uh, I, I, one evening a, a guy was preaching, and uh, I really felt the Lord speaking to me, and, and he called me by name, and, and I went up to the front, and I gave my life to Jesus for the first time. And, you know, the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit illuminates and reveals truth through us, and he's the one that draws us uh, to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was at work in my life, even though I didn't even know it. Even before I knew, I, I knew him, it was at work in my life and drawing me to him. And uh, I gave my life to Jesus, and, and, and the Holy Spirit started working in me. But, you know, there was a time one evening, and I'll never forget this time. Um, it, there, is, there was a man that came. I forget his name now. But he came, and he preached specifically on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And he started to speak about the power of God moving through the hearts and lives of people. And there was such a hunger and desire of that in my life. You know, and I read the scripture, and Basil actually mentioned it even just before we started, in Mark 16, verse 17 to 19, and it says, And these signs will accomplish the, accompany those who believe in my name, and they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents in their hands, and if they drink, deadly po- drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And I thought, Lord, I want to be a part of that. I, want, I don't want to just read books about people who experience that. I want that to be true in my life. And so that evening, I came forward to the front, and I said, Lord, I don't understand this whole thing about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I want it for my life. I hear about the power of God moving through the hearts and lives of people. I don't want to just hear about that. I want to experience it for me. Because I had a, a desperation and a hunger to see people get saved. And I knew that I couldn't do it just through mere intellect and trying to convince people that Jesus was real. I knew and believed, as Jesus did, that they needed to see the power of God, not just working around me, but in and through, the, through my life. And you know, something changed radically at that particular time. I used to go to remedial school. When I was in school, I couldn't read well. I, didn't, I couldn't spell well. And I really had a, a real inferiority complex. And I, I was, I was back-footed, and I, I didn't have a boldness. But I can tell you, after that evening, I felt the power of God come into my life. In fact, I fell on the floor um, I didn't understand what it was all about, but the Holy Spirit at that point, particular time, changed my life forever. And you know what started to happen is I started to speak to my friends at school about Jesus. And this was Edgemead High School. Who went to Edgemead High School here? Okay, a few of you. And uh, it was a very long time for me, uh, ago for me. But I started to speak to my friends about Jesus. And s- something started to happen. And they started, uh, uh, it wasn't just me, but God was doing something in the church at that particular time. And, and a revival started happening in, in the school. And suddenly, uh, 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 it was 20 people that got saved. And then 100 people that got saved. Until uh, every Wednesday morning, we used to have, we had a big tuck shop there. I don't know if some of you remember if it's still there. I haven't been in there for years. But we used to meet uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning, about 200 kids in school. And we'd have praise and worship as it was a main corridor where the, where the kids used to come through to school. And every Wednesday morning, they'd hear singing and worshiping God. And God was beginning to do something. And we started to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, back then, Benny Hinn used to be quite a big thing. And we didn't know what that was all about. But he used to blow on people. And then they used to, I mean, if you remember that. And they used to fall down. And we thought, oh, well, that's how people receive the Holy Spirit. And so we used to have youth meetings, and we were hungry, hungry, hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit to move. And so I thought, well, if that's how people receive the Holy Spirit, then you just blow on them. And uh, even, you know, even as a young Christian, not knowing much, but because of my desire to see the power of God move through my life, I remember there was a whole lot of young people standing up in front of the, of the stage, and we were trusting for the Holy Spirit to come down. And then we just started blowing on people. And, and I don't know, God's gracious. Eh? He, just, he, just, he even uses our stupidness, you know. Um, and, and people would just begin to fall under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, God, this is what I want to see. This is what I want to see in your church. You can use somebody like me. Okay, I mean, I've learned since then. We don't blow on people anymore. Um, but there was something about that. I remember um, the, we, we had the principal. His name was Dr. Fenter. Yo, he was a scary guy. He was a scary guy. And uh, the one day I was, I was a, a prefect back then, and, and, and he one day called me into the office, and he said, like, he said, I don't know what's going on in the school, and I don't know what you guys are all doing, um, 
But I think I'm okay with it. Because he even started to see um, stuff was happening in the school. And uh, then I said to him, I, I, I said to him, but that's great. But do you know Jesus? Are you, uh, do you, have you given your life to Jesus? He just looked at me like, I said, well, I, I go to church like on Christmas and Easter and stuff like that. I said, no. You gotta be, you have to give your life to Jesus. You need to have a personal relationship with you. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And I remember that on, on Sunday nights, we would invite the teachers to come in. And I remember praying for quite a few of our teachers to be filled with the Holy Spirit and just seeing them speak in tongues for the first time. And it, it was an absolute amazing time. And you know, my hunger for that has, has never stopped because I believe that that we need to be a church full of, of, the, of the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just when we meet together like this, but every single one of you. And you know, when I came into Josh Jen, I, I, I started to see the, the power of the prophetic and just how that changed people's lives. I remember the first time we came back into actually into this building. Um, and we were sitting sort of in the back row over there. And uh, Delia says, no, no, come, we must go back to Josh Jen and... We'd moved out of the area, so we came from Sunningdale, and we came, went back to the, the Assemblies of God, and, and it was, just wasn't the same. You know, even though I'd, been, I'd grown up and got saved in the AOG, you know, She turned to us and she actually said, can I pray for you guys? And I said, sure, pray for us. And you know that because of the gifting of the Holy Spirit, she prayed into our lives so specifically that only the Holy Spirit could have done that. She knew stuff about us that she would definitely not have known. And there's just such a power when we live and move under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that is my heart's cry for all of us. Just think about this. If the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, what's your excuse? Just think about that. Imagine if even just 50% of us in this meeting tonight came into this meeting not with an expectation for God to move, but with an expectation for God to move through us at any particular time. I think things would be vastly different. But there were two things that changed my life specifically after I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I got saved, the Holy Spirit was working in me and through me and and drawing me to Jesus and illuminating the word. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, when they laid hands on me, and it it can be different for people. I'm not prescribing that this is the only way that it needs to happen. There were two things that happened in my life. Is there was a heart of praise that began to raise up in my life. There was a desire to see God magnified. There was a desire not to sit in the back seats and just be complacent and, well, this is the way I worship. There was a desperation to lift up the name of Jesus, to worship him, to praise him. When there was an opportunity to come to the front, I came to the front. I wanted to worship him with every single fiber of my being because I realized that as the Holy Spirit opened my eyes, I saw who he was and who Jesus is and what he did for me and has done for me. And one of the biggest things that, that, I, that, that changed my life was the ability that he gave me to speak in tongues. And even from a young age, that's what I desired. I said, Lord, I want that. If that gift is for me, I want that. 
And the Bible talks a lot about the gift of speaking in tongues in terms of how it helps us. It says we don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit does. And we pray in tune with Him. And I know that when I'm praying in the Spirit, often there's stuff in my life that I need God to do that I don't even know. And when I pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is praying in me and through me and changing my life. And the other thing was this, is obedience and surrender. It's inevitable that when, we, when the object of our heart's worship changes, your obedience changes. These two things will occur, will be your experience if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. A new desire to magnify God in worship and a powerful desire to obey God in everyday life. So what does the Bible say about being filled with the Holy Spirit? And can we be filled with the Holy Spirit more than once? The Bible makes it clear that our lives should be one of continual fellowship with God, causing us to be continually filled with Him. The initial experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit was never meant to be just a one-time event. Instead, we are meant to continually walk with the Lord and be ever filled with his spirit. The Bible says this in Ephesians 5 verse 18. It says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to the Father to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, um, if for many of you in community you would have watched the series, uh, I think it was Start Here. Start Here. And Morley was talking um, about the one session about, um, and I, I encourage you guys, go watch Andrew's This Is That and, and watch, if you haven't seen that, that, that series, uh, Start Here, it's, it's amazing and it'll really ground you in your faith. But he talks about um, this whole issue of being drunk. Now, who of you have ever been drunk? We won't hold it against you. My hand's up. Okay? Some of you are honest. Some of you are maybe not so honest. <laughs> or you don't want your wife or husband to know. But there's something about that. You know, the reason why um, it's mentioned here is, you know, you, you can recognize a drunk person. Okay? They don't kind of walk straight. Something's not coherent. Stuff, stuff's going on that's not normal. Okay? And so... We see when the Holy Spirit came upon, uh, at, at the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came upon the people. People said, what have these people been drinking early in the morning? And then Peter stood up and he says, no, 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 they're not drunk. But what Mourne actually said, you know what, to get drunk, you've got to drink quite a bit. Okay? You've got to consume some of that alcohol. And he was talking about, and he made a good point. He says, you know what, sometimes uh, being, being full of the Holy Spirit and actually being drunk in the Spirit doesn't just take one sip. We've got to drink him in. We've got to drink him in. We've got to be thirsty. We've got to desire. I, I'm not going to stop. I'm going the whole way. And I remember many times just being under the power of the Holy Spirit, sometimes laying on the floor. And even as Mornay said, he says, you know what? He could have got up. But there was a desire, Lord, I, there's no limit to what you can give me. I want everything you have to give. I want everything you have to give. And my heart's desire is that you would have that desire tonight. Lord, whatever you have to give, um, give it to me. So if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to ask for more of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. So when you receive Him, you receive all of Him. But you can receive more from that person. Are you hungry tonight? Are you satisfied with what you have? So in closing, I want us to bring us back to the Scripture in Mark 16, 17. To 19. 
And it says, these things will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That doesn't mean it's for Basil or elders or some evangelistic preachers. It's for every single one of us. God desires that every single one of us will move in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That when you speak into your friends who don't know Jesus, you don't have to argue them into salvation. But the Holy Spirit can anoint you with a word of knowledge. And you can, you can speak into their situation even though they haven't even said anything to you. When the power of God comes in to the space where we're ministering to people, nothing can stop that. And he wants to use ordinary people like you and me. You know, the Bible talks about living waters, rivers of living water. And in John 7, verse 30, 37 to 39, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. As for yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not glorified. There are many things in life that can cause us to to feel empty. You know, um, Mourner was talking about that that we leak the Holy Spirit. You know, my wife, I always love illustrations, but I won't do it tonight because, you know, my wife says, I bought this illustration. She says, are you going to do another illustration? So <laughs> takes me back to my Sunday school days. I just can't help it. But, but you know, um, it is true that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit through life, through doubt, through fears, through, through whatever, um, we can leak. We, we, we get to a place where we feel empty. And maybe that's, that's you tonight. That you've got to a place where you're feeling empty, where that desire to see the Holy Spirit in your life has is, is perhaps waned and it's not as prominent anymore. Or maybe you fear what the Holy Spirit will do in your life if you really allow him to, to move. In Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the earth. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5, it says, And when he came to you, brothers, and this is often how we feel. And even tonight, as, as, as before I preached, I, I sort of felt like this. And you know, if Paul feels like this, then I know that many of us feel the same way. And Paul says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, uh, and I was with you in weakness, in fear and, and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the power of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And you know, if we are desperate for a world that doesn't know Jesus to come to know him, we're not going to be able to do it through fancy words, lofty speech, and our own intellect. For those friends of yours that don't know Jesus, we need the power of God 
and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in, and in our lives to reach them. Because God knows what they need. He knows how to speak into their life. And so like Jesus was, we have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like this. And I'm sorry, um, Stephen Anton. I'm not, this is not against you. That's just an illustration. But, you know, it's almost like God gives us a Ferrari. Okay? Who of you have ever driven in a Ferrari? I have. Come on, some of you know you have. Okay? Um, I tell you, when you drive in that Ferrari, the power of that thing is absolutely unbelievable. And a friend of mine took me in a, uh, not so long ago in a, a drive in his Ferrari, and I, 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 I almost had to apologize because I almost left, left claw marks in, in his seats. But you cannot imagine how this car drives. Uh, he, it, it, the acceleration is unbelievable. You get pushed into the back of your seat. You know, and uh, there was at one point that he came to a corner and he didn't slow down. Okay, maybe slow down a little bit. But the way that this car went into that corner, I thought, we're going off the road. We're going to slide into a ditch. In fact, he was overtaking people who were already going fast that was driving with us. He went round them and round the corner. I thought, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But, you know, some of us are, are happy just to ride the Datsun Go. <laughs> it could be any other car, but that's the car that I thought of. But you know, the truth of, this, of, the, of the matter is, is that, in a sense, God has given us a Ferrari in the Spirit to drive. And maybe some of us are afraid to push that pedal down to see what this thing can do. But that's what God has called us to do. If we want to reach a lost and dying world, we've got to put our foot down. And, and like that car, our lives will handle what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. In Ephesians three fourteen to 19, and I'll close with this. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And according to the riches of his glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth that, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And I believe that is to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that's made sense. But my prayer for us tonight is that maybe you're at a place in your life where, where you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've given your life to Jesus. You've been baptized in water. But yet it still seems hard. You know, often before we have that experience of the Holy Spirit, life is, living a Christian life is actually quite difficult. It seems dry and uneventful. And we read our Bible. We have our quiet times. We come to church. And, and often we see other people experiencing God. But yet there's something there's something missing. There's something that, that we don't yet have or have experienced. And I want to give you guys an opportunity tonight that if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to, maybe the worship team can come up. We're going to spend a bit of time just, just giving you the opportunity. And if that is the first time, and if you're hungry to see the power of God move through your life, and you want to experience that, maybe you've never spoken in tongues before, and you desire that gift. We want to give you an opportunity. We want to pray for you that you would receive that. 
and that the power of God will come upon all of us, that this church will never, ever be the same, that our lives would never, ever be the same, that when people think about the church, the Josh Jen in Edgemead, that they would know that that's where the power of God is, that if you want to see the power of God moving, go and visit that church, and you'll see moving in people's lives. But maybe tonight you're also in a position where you've, life has happened, and you were filled with the Spirit a long time ago, and, and a lot of things have happened, and you just... Maybe you're empty or you're half full or you're a quarter full and and you say, Lord, I I want more. I want more of what you have. I want to give you an opportunity for that as well. As I stood here tonight, I realized even just in my own life that I've only just scratched the surface of what God has for me, that I'm not satisfied. So I'm standing here tonight and I want somebody to pray for me. Say, God, I want more. I want my life to be a demonstration of the power of God. That I don't just want to be someone who just speaks the word of God, but that the evidence of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit would flow through my life and that it would change other people's lives and bring people into the kingdom. Can, so can we stand? I want to pray for us. Can we do that, um, make room for you? And so it was a beautiful time of worship. And, you know, we, we sung songs and we said, Lord, do, come do whatever you want to. I'll make room for you. Is that the position of your heart tonight? Are you brave enough to respond, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do through my life. It's scary, but I know that I know that I need it. I know I want to see the power of God in my life. Father, I pray, God, that tonight, Lord, even as I've tried to minister this in faithfulness and obedience, Lord, that you would take what I've said. And Lord, that you would birth a deep hunger in us as your church to be led by you Holy Spirit that you would truly have your way in our lives that we would desire to be filled with you not just once on a Sunday but every single day of the week that we would hunger and desire to see the power of God move through our lives that we would be known as as, as a people that moves and lives under the power of the Holy Spirit that when people look at our lives they would say that person is full of him that that person is full of the Holy Spirit because it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of the evil one. Lord God, we need your anointing. We need your anointing, Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that right now, that even as we go into a short time of worship, that Holy Spirit, that you begin to move, that you begin to fall. As we open up our hearts to you now, Lord, that you begin to touch people's lives for the first time, that they would speak in tongues, that they would prophesy in the name of Jesus, as you did in scripture that you would do tonight we are so expected Lord for what you want to do